Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. We are so thankful that all of you are here with us today, live here at the Rockingham County Fairgrounds, all of you tuning in from our live stream and from 92.1 as well. We welcome you here to this time together today. If you're tuning in on the radio or if you're tuning in from your vehicle and you don't have a a good shot at the stage, I wanna encourage you to go to our website, crosslinkva.com for a better uh, view, if you will. If you have your Bibles today, I wanna ask you to take them and open them with me to the Gospel of Matthew, to Matthew chapter 28 for this morning's message and for the time that we have together today. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that to be here. I realize today that these have been challenging and uncertain times for really for all of us. Uh, we have been, as you know, uh, as a staff, working very hard to put all this together today. If you would have asked me just even a few weeks ago, what we'd be doing for Easter Sunday, I have to tell you that in a million years, I would have never dreamed of this. As we began the year, our staff was praying and thinking through Easter Sunday and and discussing, should we have three services or should we have four services or should we go to another location? What would that look like? I have to tell you, I never thought we'd be sitting here at the Rockingham County Fairgrounds at a drive-in Easter celebration, but we are here. The fact is, is that when I thought of Easter, I envisioned a a packed building. I envisioned smiling faces. I envisioned a lot of shaking hands and, and hugging necks. I didn't envision an open field. I did not envision seeing car windshields. I didn't envision giving air hugs and chicken wings instead. But these are the days, of course, in which we live. As I stand before you today, I have to honestly uh, confess with a little bit of a sense of humor that I feel in some ways like I am living out the scene from a Disney Cars movie. Now, I don't know if that makes me Lightning McQueen or Mater. I'll let you decide by the end. But either way, we are so thankful that you are here today. I read somewhere earlier this week as a reporter gave a report from D.C., He said that this would be the first time in our nation's history that we did not celebrate Easter. The first time in our nation's history that we did not celebrate Easter. As I thought about his words and thought about what he said, I quickly realized that he unfortunately had been very misinformed about what Easter really is. In fact, he reminded me of the little girl that went to church one day and her teacher began to ask all the kids in the room the question, Can someone tell me what Easter is and what Easter really means? One little boy raised his hand real quick and he said, oh, I know, Easter's when the Easter bunny comes to my house. Well, of course, the teacher smiled, but that's not the answer she was looking for. So she asked again, can someone tell me what Easter means and what it's all about? And another little boy raised his hand, oh, it's about all those Easter eggs that we find on our Easter egg hunt every year. Of course, that's not the answer the teacher was looking for either. And so the teacher said it again. Can someone tell me what Easter really is all about? And that smart little girl raised her hand and she knew. She said, oh, teacher, I know. Easter is when Jesus came out of the grave. 
Oh, the teacher was so satisfied. Somebody finally knew the answer. But the little girl continued on and then she said, and then Jesus turns around and if he sees his shadow, we're gonna have seven more weeks of winter. Well, of course, what that little girl understood was that Jesus rose again, but she missed some of the details. What that reporter missed in that report is simply this. Yes, some of the traditions of Easter this year have been stripped away. Yes, there won't be the Easter egg hunts and much of, this, much of the things that we've come to be accustomed to with the gatherings and the meals and all those different things, but make no mistake about it. Easter is about one thing and one thing only. It's about the reality that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, died on the cross for the sins of all the world, and on the third day, he rose again from the grave. It doesn't matter what pandemic sweeps across the globe. It doesn't matter what difficulty arises in your life. It doesn't matter what the world may say. It doesn't matter what happens in politics. It doesn't matter what happens in D.C. There is nothing that can ever change the reality that Jesus Christ rose again from the grave. And because he rose again from the grave, I want, to know, want you to know this morning, there is good news. Maybe you're sitting there wondering at home or even in your car, What's the big deal? What's the big deal that happened that Jesus did this 2,000 years ago? That was so long ago. Why does it even matter? What I want you to know loud and clear this morning is this. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago matters because what he did offers salvation for your souls and living hope even in your present time today. I want to begin this morning by asking you a very simple question. And it's a question I want you to really chew on this morning, and that is this. In your life, do you have hope? In your life, do you have hope? Many in our world today are looking for hope. While this pandemic is sweeping literally across the globe, people are tuning in to press conferences and reports looking to find an answer, something to provide hope. Is there hope? Many are tuning to people, turning into people and to organizations. They are looking and they're longing. Well, what's the data say? And what's the test results? And what's happening with the numbers? And is there a vaccine? What about this medicine? What, what about the economy? What about this with our monies? What about my job? And people are constantly tuning in, looking for hope. But can I say to all of us this morning, the answer to our hope doesn't lie in Washington, D.C., the answer to our hope is not found on a number on a screen. The answer to our hope is not found in a curve that we hope to, to, to diminish. The answer to our hope is not found in our personal finances, our job security, what's happening on Wall Street. I'm here to tell you this morning that the hope of your life and the hope of your soul is found in one person and one person only, and his name is Jesus Christ. The reality is this today. The reality is that Jesus is alive and well. And because he is alive and well, we must get our attention off of the brokenness of this fallen world and get our attention fixed on him. Unless we put our hope in that which is eternal, we will never have true hope. So if you hear one thing today, I hope it's this. There is a living hope because Jesus Christ rose again from the grave and that living hope can be yours. Matthew chapter 28, listen to the words of scripture. The Bible says, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. 
and his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. They left the tomb quickly, verse 8, with fear and with great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the reminder that over 2,000 years ago, on that first day of the week, Jesus rose again from the grave. Because he's alive and well, there's hope and life offered to all who believe. Speak to our hearts now with that truth to draw us to yourself, I pray in Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. Maybe you're sitting here this morning wondering, Pastor, how can I have hope? Look at this situation that we're in. Look at the numbers that are rising as I turn into the screen. We don't have a cure yet. Look at my financial situation. Look at the unknowns of tomorrow. Pastor, how can I have hope? My family members are sick. My finances are slim. The church doors are closed. How can I have hope? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, no matter how bad your situation is here today, there is hope because of what Jesus has done for us. In these passages of scripture in Matthew chapter 28, there on that first day of the week, the angel appeared to the two Marys that came to the tomb. And that angel gave three primary messages, three primary words that I believe God wants us to hear today as we think about our living hope. What were the messages from the empty tomb that morning that God wants us to hear? I think first and foremost, there's a personal message, a personal word of encouragement. Did you notice what the scripture said? The Bible says as the Marys made their way to the tomb that day, they, they saw suddenly the angel and the angel spoke these simple words in verse five. First and foremost, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Can you imagine the scene as it unfolded on that morning as they were heartbroken and devastated? The last time they had been with Jesus, they had seen him from a distance as he was beaten and as he was sped upon, as a crown of thorns was crushed into his brow, as he was thrust upon the cross of Calvary. The last time they had been with Jesus, they were witnessing, crying out, it is finished. The last time they had been with Jesus, they had been a part of that group that had taken the body of Jesus off of the cross and there laid him in the tomb. No doubt they were discouraged. No doubt they were disappointed as they made their way to the tomb that day. Frankly, I don't think they expected anything to have changed. They just went to the tomb to, to grieve. They went to the tomb to, to mourn. They went to the tomb to weep there on that early morning, that first day of the week. Jesus, of course, had publicly declared that he would rise again from the grave on the third day. And because of that, the Bible tells us the Jews had gone to the local leader and they had made sure that a, a team of Roman soldiers were guarding the tomb and they had made sure that a, a Roman seal was placed over the tomb. These ladies went not knowing what to expect. Can you imagine as they approached the tomb, everything suddenly seemed strange. Everything was eerily silent. As they approached the tomb, they began to quickly realize the guards are gone. Where are the guards? What could this mean? 
They got closer to the tomb and they noticed that the Roman seal had been completely destroyed. And then they looked and they saw that the stone had been rolled away. What could this mean? What could have happened? What would this mean for them? No doubt they were afraid. And then suddenly the angel speaks. Ladies, do not be afraid. I'm reminded this morning in a very clear way that the simple fact is, is that fear is a logical response. In times of uncertainty, in times of challenge, in times of difficulty, in times of trial, certainly in times of standing in the presence of a heavenly being, fear would be a logical response. But the word of instruction was, do not be afraid. Maybe you can relate this morning. Perhaps you too have been facing some things, frankly, that you didn't expect. Just six weeks ago, most of us in our lives, things were normal and things were good and things were grand. We were coming and going as we pleased. Just six weeks ago, as we were living our life, many of us had good jobs. School was going strong. Classes were in session. Social calendars were full. And the sports calendars, everything was getting ready to happen. March Madness was getting ready to unfold. All the spring soccer and baseball seasons are kicking up. And my favorite, the college football spring games were just around the corner. Everything was good and normal and grand. And suddenly, everything came to a pause. Suddenly, it seems like life was put on hold. Suddenly, there was an eerie silence about things. Things that we would have never imagined suddenly came true. Businesses were closed. The stock market plummeted. Sports leagues were canceled. School was suspended. Church services were modified. No doubt with all these different things, as we watched, the worst part is that the virus began to spread across the globe and we began to see the cases increase and with that, the death tolls increase. Surely we can relate to the uncertainty and the anxiety that these ladies must have felt on that first day of the week. But I want to remind you something this morning. That angel that came was not merely an angel. He was a messenger from God, sent by God to deliver a message for them to hear and I believe for all of us to hear this morning. What was that message? That message was this that we still need to hear today. Do not be afraid. To be sure, that virus that's going around, there's calls for us to be wise. We can't be foolish, nor should we be ignorant and put our head in the sand and act as if nothing's happening. But here's the reality. What the angel was saying that morning is this. It doesn't matter your uncertainty. It doesn't matter your fear. It doesn't matter your circumstance. I want you ladies to get your attention on the fact that God is doing something and God is in control. And what God has done is Jesus has been raised from the grave. The fact of the matter is this morning is that yes, we still face circumstance and we still face adversity, but the truth of the matter is God is still in control because Jesus rose again from the grave and he conquered death and he conquered hell and he conquered sin. We today don't have to be afraid. I'm reminded several years ago, whenever my oldest daughter was a little girl, we would often go swimming in the summertime. She loved to swim and and she was very, she was fearless. I mean, just absolutely fearless when it came to the water. And I remember in those early years, she didn't know how to swim. And so when we would go to the pool, I would do what every good parent does. I'd put those floaties on her arm and I'd get down into the water and she would get over to the edge and I'd put my, my arms out and I'd say, now jump. And she would jump and leap into my arms. And she became very fearless over time over the water, even though at the time she wasn't a great swimmer. And I remember one day being at the pool and seeing, seeing her there at the edge of the pool and her jumping and she would kind of go back and she'd get out and she'd jump again and we just kind of had this rhythm going. But I remember one day she stood on the edge of that pool and 
getting ready to jump and, and I told her to wait just a moment and I, and I turned away for a moment because I heard another child in need of help. And so I, I helped that child for just a moment. And as I walked away to help that child, behind me, all of a sudden I heard whoosh, this big splash. And I remember that, that struggle and uh, what did I do? And so I literally picked up this one child and I walked over to my daughter and eventually got there and I picked her up and I brought them both over to the side. I gave that one child to the other parent and then I took my daughter and I, and, and I kind of wiped the water out of her eyes and her face and, and she was swallowing and I said, sweetie, are you okay? She said, daddy, I, I swallowed some water. And I said, it's, it's, it's okay, it's okay. Just, just breathe, be calm. And I remember asking her, sweetie, are you okay? She said, I'm okay. And then I looked at her and I said, sweetie, were you afraid? Were you afraid? And she said, no, sir. No, sir. I said, sweetie, why were you not afraid? You were literally going under the water and you were, why were you not afraid? And she looked at me and she said, because I knew you'd find me. I knew you'd find me. I love that little illustration. Here's the reality. She wasn't afraid because she knew her dad was close and her dad loved her and her dad cared and her dad would take care of her. I'm telling you this morning, the fact of the matter is you don't have to be afraid because God loves you. God knows where you're at. He cares for you and he's made a way for you even in these times to have a living hope for your soul. That personal word of encouragement is do not be afraid. Please understand, it's not just about mustering up and overcoming a fear Notice the emphasis of the second word, and that is this. The personal word of encouragement and the second message from the tomb was a powerful word of victory. Please don't miss this today. If you, miss, if you don't miss anything, pay close attention to this. Notice what the angel said here in Matthew chapter 28. This powerful word of victory is this. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Ladies, I want you to know, you don't have to be afraid because Jesus rose again, just as he said. Please understand, the angel wasn't offering a victory over fear by some mind game. The angel wasn't saying that it was about positive thinking or manipulating their feelings. No, instead of dwelling on the fear, God was calling them to focus on the facts. He wanted them to know the truth. Jesus said in John chapter eight, verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Well, what was the truth? The truth is, Jesus said he would rise again from the grave. Now think of that for just a moment. He rose again just as he said. This causes some questions, doesn't it? I mean, if Jesus claimed to rise again from the grave, then that means he also knew he would die. You don't foretell your resurrection unless you also know that you're gonna die. Jesus did both. Man, I tell you what, that causes me to ask some questions, doesn't it? I mean, why would Jesus leave the comforts and the throne, the beauty, the wonder of heaven to come to this world to die? I mean, why would Jesus submit himself to that cruelty and that pain and that type of rejection? Why would he do this? And I wanna suggest to you this morning as we think about that powerful word of victory, there's three questions that answers. The first question it answers is why Jesus came. The answer to why Jesus came is very simple. Please hear me loud and clear. He came for you and for me. He came for you and for me. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says it this way. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, listen, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he even explained, for the son of man, Jesus, has come to seek and save those who are lost. Please understand this morning, 
Jesus came to this fallen world for the express purpose of seeking and saving all who are lost. And he even said he would do that by giving his life as a ransom for many. Seeking and saving that which is lost. Well, who could that be? Who could it be that is lost and in need of being found, in need of being saved? Well, friend, I'm here to tell you this morning, the people that are lost, the people that are in need are every single one of us. Every single one of us. Everywhere we look in our world today, we see brokenness. We see it in our country. We see it in our government. We see it in our workplaces, in our families. We see it, frankly, in our own hearts and lives. But I want you to know this morning, that was not God's plan. That was not what God intended for his creation that he created and said, it is good. No, the Bible tells us that God created Adam and Eve and he created them to live in a perfect relationship with him in the Garden of Eden. They had a perfect relationship with him. They had a perfect relationship with one another. There was no disease. There was no death. There was no destruction. God created that world to be that way. The simple reality is God even warned Adam in Genesis chapter two, verses 16 and 17. Here's what he said. For any tree of the garden that you may eat, you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Of course, the Bible tells us that Satan tempted Eve, tempted Adam, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve both went their own direction. They both rebelliously said, you know what, God, we'll take it from here. You know what, God, we know better than your plan. You know what, God, we don't care about the rules that you've given us. No, instead, they chose to go their own way, and the Bible says they sinned. And the Bible tells us also because they sinned that literally death and disease and destruction of all kinds entered the world. Pastor, what does that mean? That was so many years ago. How does that affect me today? Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter five, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world and death to sin. Listen to this. So death spread to all men because all sin. The Bible tells us in Romans three, verse 23, we see the evidences of that. For all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you've told one single lie in your life, that means you've sinned against God. And that sin against God declares you a sinner. That's not just about what we've done. It's about our standing before God. That without Jesus, without what he's done, literally we stand guilty as charged before a holy and righteous God. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there's hope because Jesus came. He came because we were lost and in sin and need of a savior. So notice the second thing that we see. And that is, I want you to notice what Jesus did. See, it's not just that he came to this world. It's not, oh, let's have sympathy because he came to this world. No, he didn't just come to this world. I want you to consider why he came. See, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. The consequences of sin, the punishment of sin, the things that we deserve, the earnings, if you will, for our sin is death. And it's speaking literally of death and separation from God. Please understand this morning that when God created Adam and Eve in that garden, he created them literally to live with him forever. But when sin entered the world, so did death and disease and destruction of all kinds. Please understand this morning, there is no amount of good works that can change our standing before God. There's no amount of merit. There's no amount of religion. There's no amount of rules and creeds and, and, and traditions. There's nothing that can change our standing before God. The wages of sin is death. 
So when Jesus came to this world, he came with a mission for a purpose, as he said, to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter five, verses six and eight. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, but God demonstrates his love for us, his love for you, his love for me. There's not a single person that you'll meet on the street. There's not a single person from a different nation. There's not a single person of a different race or color, but he did this for all, every single one of us. We can look at them and say, but God demonstrated his love for you. He demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, what did Jesus do? Christ died for us. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen was seen when Jesus stretched out his arms and died on the cross for our sins. As one writer said it, he said it this way, Jesus came to pay a debt he didn't owe so that we could ultimately receive a gift we could never earn or deserve. He did that for us. The Bible says it this way in John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Did you hear that? He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Why Jesus came? He came because we're sinners in need of a savior. What he did is he gave his life on the cross as a substitute in our place. But third thing I want you to consider loud and clear is what Jesus proved. What did the angel say that day? He is risen just as he said. Please understand this morning, this means something about Jesus. It means that he is the Lord over all. Whether you worship him as the Lord, whether you follow him as the Lord, it does not matter. Your response will not change the reality that he is the Lord over all. The proof of the resurrection is the reality that the Bible tells us that through Jesus, God offers us eternal life. Romans 6.23 says it this way, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3, 16, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Please understand this morning, I question today, how can a person give eternal life if they themselves are not alive? How can a person give eternal life if they themselves are not alive? It is interesting to note this morning that of all the religions in the world, apart from Christianity, they all have a dead leader or prophet. There's a leader who lived, a leader who taught, and a leader who died. But where Christianity is so different is because of what Jesus Christ did. Yes, he lived. Yes, he taught and astounded all the scholars. Yes, he worked miracles that were undeniable, that could not be explained even from his greatest skeptics. Yes, he died, but here's the good news. He didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose again from the grave. Now, please listen. There are some, even still today, that will say, oh, but, but Jesus didn't actually die. But the foolishness of that argument is astounding. The Roman soldiers that crucified him were experts not only in cruelty, but in crucifixion. If they themselves did not kill him and fulfill the requirements of what were passed down to them, they themselves would have been killed. They were absolutely certain of his death. If Jesus had not died, I want you to know this morning that when Joseph of Arimathea took his body off the cross to place him in, the, in, the, in that tomb, that would have never happened if he wasn't already convinced of Jesus' death. 
Think about the disciples themselves as Jesus is taken into custody. And even as he's there on the cross, the Bible tells us they fled in fear. Why? Because they were absolutely convinced that the death he experienced, they were about to experience. But one of the greatest evidences of the fact that Jesus actually died is by looking at the life of his mother, Mary. As Mary prepared his body for burial, I want you to know, there's no way a mama will prepare her son's burial, her body, for, his body for burial, if she wasn't convinced of his death. Oh, he died. And then there was something will say, oh, well, well, Jesus didn't literally mean it when he said he would die and raise again. But I want you to know this morning, not only did Jesus say he would die, listen to this, he also said that he would raise again from the grave. Listen to this in Mark chapter 10, verses 33 and 34. Jesus told his disciples, the son of man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes and they'll condemn him to death. They're gonna hand him over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him and spit on him, scourge him and kill him. And three days later, he said, he'll rise again. That's what he told his disciples privately. But listen to what Jesus said publicly for even his skeptics to hear in John chapter two. Jesus was being challenged by the Jews and they asked, Jesus, what sign do you show us as your authority? Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple and in three days, I will raise it up. The Bible tells us in verse 22 of John two. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Please understand this morning, loud and clear, Jesus said, yes, I came to die. I came to give my life as a ransom for many so that all who are lost can be found, so that all who are in sin can be saved. But I'm not just going to die to prove that I am the Lord over all. I'm going to raise again from the grave. How do we know that Jesus rose again? I encourage you to look at exhibit A, the empty tomb. That first day of the week, as those ladies came, the angel said, he is not risen. But by the way, come on in here and see for yourself. The body is gone. All they found left were the grave clothes left behind. The empty tomb tells us that he rose again. You know what? The enemies cover up in Matthew chapter 28 as we began to see that conspiracy as they paid off the guards. Please understand, in that culture, if you were a guard and you let your prisoner go, then your life would be taken. In other words, if, if this truly happened, that Jesus' body was taken, every single one of those guards would have been executed. That's not what happened. Why weren't they executed? Because they knew the truth. There wasn't a body that had been stolen. They were simply paid to cover the whole thing up. Shockingly, how much time has changed in all these years, and yet mankind hasn't changed at all, have we? Not only do we see the enemy's cover up, but I encourage you to consider for a moment the eyewitness accounts. See, in just a moment, both of these Marys, they're gonna see Jesus after he died and after he rose again. They're gonna see for themselves the eyewitness accounts. I encourage you this week, go read Matthew chapter 28. Go read John chapter 20 and count all of the eyewitnesses who saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. This was not some random hallucination. This was not some random moment. The Bible tells us over a 40-day period, Jesus appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses. Think of that for a moment. That means there were more eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ than there likely are vehicles right now in front of me at the fairgrounds. That means there are more eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ than there are patients at the local hospital at this exact moment. So pastor, what are you saying? I am saying that Jesus rose again from the grave just as he said he would. Why? Because he is who he says he is. He is the Lord of lords. He is the son of God. He's the savior of the world and is the only way your soul can be saved and is the only way you can have a living hope today. C.S. Lewis. 
C.S. Lewis, the great theologian, said it this way. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or he would be the devil of hell or he would be who he says he is. You must make your choice. Either this was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord. Think of that for a moment. Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or a Lord. But if he's a lunatic, how did he at the age of 12 when left at the temple astound the scribes and the priests? If he's a lunatic, how did he in his life and his teachings continually astound the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the experts of the law who constantly were trying to trap him? I'll tell you this morning, he was no lunatic. If he's a liar, then why is it that even today the religions of the world will look at Jesus and say he was a great prophet, he was a great teacher, he was a great moral leader? Why do they look at him as the example of morality and of truth and of goodness? What I want you to see this morning is he was no liar. Read the Bible for yourself. Read the gospel accounts. Read the words written read, written in red. You will not find a single lie from the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is no liar. He's either a lunatic or a liar, or he is who he says he is. He is the Lord over all. And friend, what I suggest to you this morning, as Jesus said he would die and said he'd raise again, he proved he is who he says he is. He's Lord over all. But the third message I want you to see, the third message from the tomb is this. I want you to see this promising word of hope. What did the angel say? The angel looked at the Marys and gave them a promise. Go to Galilee, for you will see him again. The part I want us to focus on right now for this morning is this, when he said, you will see him. The angels invited the ladies into the empty tomb to see the evidence for themselves. The angel gave instructions to go share the good news with others. But then they gave this, the angel gave this personal message, this promising message of hope. I want you to know, ladies, you will see him. I'm sure they didn't know all that that meant in that moment. I'm sure they didn't know in that moment how things would unfold. They still wondered what would happen to the guards. What had happened to the guards? What had happened to the Roman seal? They perhaps wondered, is someone going to accuse them? Is someone going to come against them? What is this going to mean? In other words, just because they experienced this doesn't mean the problems of the world went away. But what changed was this. They began to focus on the truth and believe in the message from God that Jesus was alive and well. Hope filled their soul. Joy filled their spirit. Excitement was on their face as they left that tomb in haste. Why? Because they believed the message. I'm gonna see Jesus again. Oh, the last time they had seen him, they had seen his body being buried and they saw it bruised and crushed and, and, and striped. They began with excitement to anticipate, we're gonna see Jesus again. Today, I want you to know the Bible tells us in verse nine that behold, Jesus met them and greeted them and they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. In other words, just as the angel promised, their faith became sight and they saw Jesus just as the angel had said. Today, I want you to know this morning, we still have the promise from the angel. You will see Jesus. Please hear me loud and clear this morning. I don't know your name, I don't know your story, I don't know your address, I don't know where you came from today, I don't know where you're listening from in your vehicle or whether you're listening from your living room, but here's what I do know, every single one of us will see Jesus. After Jesus' resurrection, 
he appeared to these ladies. After his resurrection, he appeared to the disciples, to over 500 eyewitnesses at one time. He proved that he's the Lord and Savior, but he didn't stop there. He said, I'm gonna come again for you one day. John chapter 14, verses one through six, the Bible tells us that Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm gonna come again to receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Thomas asked the question, but Lord, how can we know the way you're going? And Jesus said, oh, Thomas, I am the way I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. In Acts chapter one, as Jesus had appeared to those 500 eyewitnesses, he begins to ascend into heaven and the, the clouds open up and Jesus goes up into heaven and the, the disciples are standing there amazed and the Bible tells us that literally the angel spoke to those disciples and said, why do you stand here amazed? Why are you gazing up in such astonishment? Behold, in the same way that Jesus has gone into heaven, he's gonna come again one day so that you see him. Friend, I want you to know this morning, it might be by the rapture, it might be by death, but every single one of us will stand before God. Every single one of us one day will see Jesus. It's interesting to me to note in our culture today, in America, over 80% of the population believes in heaven. Over 80% of the people in our country believe in heaven. The vast majority of them also believe that heaven is automatic. Oh, we're gonna see Jesus, we're gonna be welcomed in, and this life is gonna be over. Please hear me loud and clear this morning. Heaven is not automatic. Just because you see Jesus does not mean you'll be welcomed into heaven. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, verses 22 through 23, many will say to me on that day, Lord, oh, they're gonna say it loud and clear. Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not even perform miracles in your name? Look at all the good work we did for you, Jesus. But Jesus says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, this morning, just because you believe in heaven doesn't mean that's where you're gonna spend eternity. Just because you know that Jesus died and lived does not mean that he is your Lord. There is one way to know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. There's one way to have a living hope for your soul. There's only one way to experience the gift and the joy of eternal life. There's only one way today in this fallen world that you can be certain that heaven is your eternal home. There's only one way. Jesus told Thomas in John 14, six, Thomas, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. No wonder after Jesus rose again from the grave, Thomas would be asking questions. No wonder after Jesus rose from the grave, Thomas hadn't yet seen with his eyes the resurrected Christ. All the other disciples had, but, but Thomas hadn't. And he said, you know what? Unless, unless I put my hand in his side, unless I see the, the scars in his hands myself, I just won't believe. That's what Thomas said. Jesus suddenly appeared and he said, Thomas, reach here your hand. Reach here your hand into my side and see my hands. Thomas, it's me. It's really me. I rose again from the grave. And Thomas declared his faith. He looked at Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. Jesus looked back at Thomas in John chapter 20, verse 29, and he said these words, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. 
The final verses of John 20, verse 31, Jesus said it this way. These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Do you see the hope that the ladies had because they believed? Do you see the hope that Thomas had that day after he met the resurrected Christ when he believed? I want you to know this morning, that living hope can be yours if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The personal encouragement, don't be afraid. The powerful victory, Jesus has risen just as he said, but please don't miss it. The promising word of hope is that you can see Jesus in heaven one day. You know, I love what the angel said after the angel declared the resurrection of Christ. The angel looked at the ladies and said, come and see for yourself. I want you to know this morning, right there in your vehicle, right there in your living room, wherever you're listening, yes, businesses may be closed. Yes, even the church buildings today may be closed. Please hear me loud and clear. The tomb is still open. And through the tomb, the empty tomb, through that empty tomb, God looks at every single one of you by name and he has a simple invitation. Come. 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 By faith, come and see. By faith, experience eternal life. By faith, experience a living hope that's only available through Jesus. I want to ask you all over the place right now, would you bow your heads with me? As your head is bowed and you're tuning out distractions, I started off with a question. That question is this, do you have hope? I'm not just talking about a temporary hope where you turn on the TV station in hopes of some good news. I'm not talking about your bank account or your situation in this pandemic right now. I'm asking you, do you have hope in your soul today? This morning, if you're listening to my words, I want you to know if you don't have hope, a living hope for your soul, you can by simply believing in Jesus Christ, that he is who he says he is. He's the Lord over all. And by accepting him as your personal Lord and Savior, right where you're sitting right now, I want to ask you, if you don't have that hope, but want to have that hope, you need that gift of eternal life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you're sitting, in your car or your living room, would you look to God by prayer and by faith and would you just confess, say, God, I know that I am a sinner. God, I know I don't deserve heaven. But God, I believe you love me. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he paid the debt. God, I believe that he rose again. I believe that he's the Lord over everything. And so God, today, I turn from my sin and I put my trust in Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Please save me today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.